Hi, this is Brian Bell from Weezer and The Relationship, and you're listening to Cigar City Radio. Cigar City Radio is sponsored by No Clubs and StateMedia.com. Find out about upcoming concerts in Tampa Bay by visiting StateMedia.com and tagging No Clubs on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Use the hashtag WeAreConcerts. Here's what's coming up for No Clubs. Friday, January 11th, Minerals 25th Anniversary Tour at the Orpheum. Friday, January 18th, No Name at the Ritz-Ebor. Tuesday, January 22nd, Green Sky Bluegrass at Janus Live. Tuesday, February 12th, Shut Up and Dance with Walk the Moon at Janus Live. Sunday, February 17th, Murder by Death at the Orpheum. Sunday, February 24th, a super sludgy metal show with Corrosion of Conformity, Crowbar, The Obsessed, and Mothership at the Orpheum. Wednesday, February 27th, Cypress Hill and Hollywood Undead at Janus Live. Special show Monday, March 4th, Dropkick Murphy's 2019 St. Patrick's Day Tour. Who doesn't want to see that at Janus Live? That's Monday, March 4th. Sunday, March 17th, The Noise presents Nothing More, The Truth Tour with Of Mice and Men, Bad Flower, and Palisades at the Ritz Ebor. And Friday, March 22nd, Switchfoot is coming along with uh, our friend's Colony House at the Ritz Ebor. And then we have Friday, April 5th, The Revivalists are going to be at Janus Live. So a bunch of kick-ass shows from No Clubs coming at you next year. To check out all those shows and more, you can head to statemedia.com. Welcome to Cigar City Radio, episode number 88. The song you just heard was Julio by the band Parrot Dream from the album Light Goes. And Parrot Dream also does the theme song for our podcast, Queen of Hearts, which you'll hear in a minute or so. But uh, check that album out. If you're local to New York, it's now available in Rough Trade. So go by Rough Trade and pick up a copy of the record. It's good. I'm your host, Randy Ojeda, and making the magic happen a man who is, I got nothing to say about him today, That's honestly. All right, I, got, I, got, I got nothing for you. I got plenty to say after but this it's, weekend. It's Jason Solanez, everyone, yeah. making the magic happen. After, after this weekend, uh, I can say that we've all shoved a sufficient amount of meat down our throats. <sighs> yeah. You can't say it's not true. No, I can't. Yeah. I can't. Not even believing it.
Ah, God. Our guest on this episode is Elia Einhorn. Elia has overseen the Talk House podcast since they launched in 2014. He's also a host and producer for Pitchfork Radio, as well as the curator for Pitchfork's Inside Out series at the Museum of Contemporary Art in Chicago, uh, which saw conversations with Chance the Rapper and Bjork and Vince Staples, Courtney Barnett, uh, Tori Amos, and a ton of amazing conversations. Elia also throws the monthly-ish Brooklyn-based Brit Music Party, This Is Britain, which has featured DJ sets from members of The Smiths, LCD Sound System, Battles, and more. He was the frontman of the critically acclaimed indie punk band The Scotland Yard Gospel Choir and is the songwriter-producer for the new collaborations-based project Fashion Brigade, which features collaborations with members of LCD Sound System, Dirty Projectors, Shamir, Frankie Cosmos, among others. They just announced that the album Fuck the Heartache will be coming out in the spring, but you can listen to the maxi single of the same name, Fuck the Heartache, online now. Elia's music, as he says on his bio, can be heard on TV shows such as Gossip Girl and The O.C., as well as networks like Nickelodeon and Comedy Central. Elia is a Webby-honored podcast producer and Audi-nominated audio book engineer. He's studied under Terry Riley, covered Neil Diamond's Porcupine Pie, live with Ben Gibbard and John Roderick, and he once starred in a Bell and Sebastian video. That's true. Also, this weekend, December 1st, Elia is putting together a show at Murmur in Brooklyn, where the proceeds go to the Southern Poverty Law Center and the Union Temple of Brooklyn. There's going to be a silent auction featuring signed guitars from Jeff Tweedy, Nile Rogers, Courtney Barnett, and the Pixies, signed items by David Lynch and John Carpenter, Pitchfork Fest VIP passes, music and merch from Mom and Pop, Sacred Bones, Partisan, Matador, Sub Pop, Secretly Canadian, and more, and an amazing list of guests, including Frankie Cosmos, Lee Ronaldo, Vagabond, Algiers, Meredith Graves, so many more. DJ sets by Battles, Ian Williams, and Def Heavens, George Clark. It's just basically going to be a super kick-ass night that's for a great cause, and it's one of the many things Ellie is working on right now. Uh, so that's December 1st at Murmur. If you want to find out more about that, just go to murmrr.com. You can follow his antics on Instagram at Elia Einhorn. Elia is somebody that I've known for quite a while. Um, I guess we've kind of been pen pals in that sense. Like we've been emailing back and forth for years now. Um, and I've always wanted to catch up. But every time I'm in New York, he's in Barcelona or somewhere else. Or, um, you know, it's South by Southwest and it's impossible to connect or something. But this recent trip to New York where we carved out some time and we sat down together and talked a little bit about what he's working on which is so many things. He does a million things and everything that he does is awesome. So uh, follow him, check him out, check out Fashion Brigade, his new project. The music is kick-ass and it rocks. So here it is, episode number 88. Tuesday in Brooklyn, New York, of all places. 
Uh, I am in a coffee shop in Williamsburg with Elia Einhorn from Talk House and Pitchfork Radio and Scotland Scotland Gospel Choir. Is that the, the that, that the name? Like <laughs> Scotland Yard Gospel Choir. That was that was the old band. Yeah. So uh, somebody that I've been talking to for a while, I feel like we've been pen pals for ages, and now we're finally like meeting in the flesh, and it just just got shown around the talk house offices, and now we're we're gonna chat a little bit about Elliot's new project, Fashion Brigade, which is something you've been working on for a long time, right? This is a, this is not a, I mean, it's a new project for us, for the listeners, but it's not a new project for you. So tell me a little bit about the kind of the conception of it. Sure, sure. So, well, yeah, in my little world, it's a big thing, but nobody outside my little world knows about it. This, uh, when, so Scotland Yard Gospel Choir, we were a band from like pretty much like 2001 to uh, I'd say maybe 2010. And in 2009, we got in a really, really serious tour accident where our van flipped a dozen times and we, we were on the way to play a festival. And, uh, you know, we, we played a little bit after that, but it was pretty much that was pretty much the end of the band. And and so while while we were all recovering physically and sort of mentally and emotionally, I started working on this other stuff, uh, Fashion Brigade. And and uh, after the band broke up and Fashion Brigade, I should say, it was just stuff I was recording in my bedroom. You know, oh, I like this. We got some saxophone accompaniment here. This is nice, man. Um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. So, you know, I was recording stuff in my bedroom and home studio that my roommate had in Chicago and I, I moved around after, uh, after the band broke up that had been keeping me in Chicago. I moved to Olympia, Washington for a while and I recorded out there at Dub Narcotic with local musicians and moved out, uh, moved back to Chicago, then moved out to Brooklyn. So everywhere I've gone, I've been recording and it's become a super collaborative project. It's been amazing. Yeah, so tell me a little bit about some of the collaborators, because I know you got uh, members from LCD Sound System and Frankie Cosmos, Shamir, like a lot of really cool names. So uh, how, how did you pick who you wanted to work with and how did you decide, you know, what to do for each track? Yeah, totally. Well, well, uh, you know, a lot of the collaborators uh, came from bands that we toured with and and uh, Scotland Yard had said we had a couple guests on the record. We had one of the guys from Public Image Limited had played on one of our records and the Mekons had played on a couple of our records. But I always felt like with that band, I never wanted to sort of displace one of my bandmates to have a guest come in because, you know, that means they're not playing on that track. Right. But with Fashion Brigade, uh, at first I just started recording. um just by myself playing everything and doing, you know, everything from drum machines to guitars, banjos and keyboards and whatever. And I had this moment when I was living in Olympia, I was in Rainy Day Records, which is, have you ever been to that record store? I've never been to Olympia. I've never been out, I've never been out West really, you know, so no, I, can't, I haven't been there. This is just one of those, it's a fantastic record store, like Calvin Johnson, you know, from K Records and Beat Happening makes handmade mixtapes that they sell there and like you know I, i've always loved the olympia diy scene and, and 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 they have a lot of that stuff in the store but anyway i was i was sort of just checking out their racks and uh and i saw they'd gotten a whole shipment of used x records in and and i remembered that our label boss when i was on bloodshot rob had told me yeah exine Cervenka from x is a huge fan of your band she loves the records and i was like holy shit you know and at the time i didn't I didn't even consider a collaboration because Scotland Yard was still together. But in that moment in the record store, I was like, wait a minute. 
she's a huge fan of my band. I'm a huge fucking fan of X. I can swear, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm a huge fucking fan of X. Like, why don't I ask her to do something? So my very first collaborator was Xine Servenka from X. She came in um, to town and to Chicago, and I'd moved back to Chicago. She came into town, and uh, we recorded three songs backstage at Bottom Lounge uh, between X's sound check and their show. That's amazing. Like, yeah, and that Bottom Lounge, of course, that's so Chicago, you know? <laughs> very cool. So so X was the first collaborator, and then... And then you know, when did everybody else start coming on board? Well, I, I decided to bring in um, once once I'd cut Xene stuff, and and also I should say this is my first time engineering my own stuff with Scotland Yard. We were always in beautiful studios, and my um, my my longtime producer Mark Yoshizumi always did the engineering for us, or almost always. So I was doing it myself now, and that kind of meant I could do it wherever I was. So. Um, a couple of the the last tour Scotland Yard ever did was with Devotchka, that that great gypsy punk band that did the Little Miss Sunshine soundtrack, and it was awesome because they were pretty big at the time. They were playing like twelve hundred seaters, and so we um like we got to play. Uh, is it first? Is it called First Avenue? The the club in Minneapolis, the famous Prince Club. Yeah, yeah, I think I think, I think it is. Yeah. We got to play there, which was a thrill, and 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 anyway, we went back to Chicago and played a couple of shows at Lincoln Hall together. And Tom from Devotchka played uh, accordion on the record again, just in the green room between uh, between our sound checks and our sets. And that's how a lot of it was. And then you know it just continued everywhere I moved. So I moved out to Brooklyn, and um, me and Frankie Cosmos do a lot of DJing together. Me and Greta are friends. She's uh, I say she's like an auntie to, to my little daughter Conway. And uh, and so you know. There was a song that I'd written early on for Scotland Yard. It had been uh, a demo, never made it the records. And uh, and I said, you know, Greta, would you be interested in singing on one of these songs? She's like, hell yeah, man. Just send it over. Let me, you know, just whatever you want me to sing, I'll sing on. She sang it and it was like exactly what I'd wanted it to be, you know, exactly what I wanted it to be, exactly what I'd heard in my head. And and uh the same thing with uh, Tyler from LCD Sound System. He and I, uh, that's Tyler Pope who plays bass and he runs the amazing Interference Pattern Records. And he and I had been friends for a long time and gone to shows. He would invited me over to Berlin. Amy and I went, uh, we spent our honeymoon in Berlin with he and his wife and daughters. And he took us around Berlin and showed us the club scene there. Went to Berghain on Christmas. It's fucking awesome. And, uh, and he was doing some amazing remixes and I thought, wait a minute, you know, uh, maybe I should talk to him about it. And one day he said to me, you know, I want to remix that song, Kissy Face. I said, Hell yeah, man, that's yours. That's yours. Just do it. So I guess my point is, my long-winded point is, it's just like the people that I live music with otherwise, we go to shows together, we DJ, Tyler and I have DJed together. Um, we just get sucked into each other's projects. And so Fashion Brigade has just like sucked all the creative people in my life into the project so even a couple of the guys from scotland yard gospel choir ethan who was our violinist and arranger arranges the first single which by the time this drops will be out it's called fuck the heartache he did the string arrangements he brought in players from chicago symphony orchestra to record it in chicago mark recorded that in chicago and then i recorded the uh the vocals out here it's kid hawk my sister uh kid hawk sings the lead and wait, wait your sister's kid hawk I was I like just got hip to Kid Hawk very recently. I didn't know that was your sister. That's crazy. 
Oh yeah, that's awesome. And, and and here's another tidbit. I produced the single that probably got you hip to her that was on like all the playlists. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah well, what's that track called? Turn the volume up. Yes, turn the volume. Yeah, that's an awesome song. I didn't know I had no idea there was a connection there. That's amazing. Yeah, that's my sister. She's she's amazing. She's she's she was best known as part of the sidewalk anti-folk scene out here and had gotten some great press and 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 decided, you know, she was more into doing like indie that had sort of a pop feel to it. So she brought me in as a producer and, and we recorded, we brought in, um, actually we did turn the volume up. We did the drum part for that. The same time we did the drum part for fuck the heartache. We did it at silent barn here and it's, it's, um, dirty projectors drummer, Mike Johnson playing on both of those tracks. We recorded them in the same afternoon. That's amazing. Well, shout out to, you know, rest in peace, I guess, silent barn, but, uh, so, so really, this feels like it's it's like a family project, you know. It's like the way you're describing it. It wasn't like it wasn't like you went out and you know used your pitchfork connections to get these guys or whatever. Like you really, these are just people that you're friends with and that you know and are in your musical world. Is that is that fair to say? Oh, for sure. I mean, these are these are people that I have over for dinner. These are people that that have me over to meet their kids and you know take vacations together and stuff. And it's you know, I mean. The, my my work as a host, you know, I host uh, my sort of day job, although it's a night job also, is I host Pitchfork Radio and I host Talkhouse Podcasts, like you said. But, you know, the only thing I can say about the intersection there is sometimes I get to work with my friends on those, you know, and uh, more often I, I don't. And I get to meet amazing new artists and uh, learn about a lot of new stuff for sure. But uh, but yeah, I mean, you know. For Fashion Brigade, it's it really is like legit a family affair. I mean, all the way to my sister being one of our main singers. But so much of it was, you know, your friends like and this was it was like this in Chicago and it's like this it was like this in Olympia, it's like this in Brooklyn. And in Wales where we recorded part of this. It's like these are friends in amazing bands who I've loved for so long as people and as artists and all of a sudden i have a project where i don't have to worry about displacing another musician to bring them in how could we not record together it's like you know this is stuff that we're playing anyway together you know some of these musicians and i have spent like countless nights you know when we were young bringing guitars down to like you know you know belmont rocks in chicago or you know out to the railway station in, in glen conway in wales and like and here we are and it's just like fuck it let's do it let's make this record that's that's so awesome. And so I just found out today that you were from Wales. So like, how did you so you, you were born in Wales, but then moved to Chicago very early on. So you're still kind of a Chicago dude, right? That you, would, would you say Chicago is your home then or, you know, for sure. I mean, you know, I was born in Wales and my mother was Welsh and I'm a Welsh citizen. But I definitely grew up in Chicago. You can hear when I talk, you know, I sound like a Chicago guy. I say I say pop when I order a pop, you know, and uh, and, you know, I still go to Wales. I grew up going to Wales uh, about three months a year. I'd spend in Wales. Uh, I know that's my phone because it's a blur ringtone. Hand in hand. Uh, let me mute that. Sorry about that. I left that on for when you texted me. Yeah. But uh. But yeah, man, you know, I grew up in Chicago and I'd spend a few months a year in Wales with my family and I still go over every year. My, my daughter, I have, I have a young daughter and her name is Conway. She's named after my village, Glen Conway in Wales. And uh, yeah, so I mean, you know, Chicago and Wales, those are my hometowns. And, and, you know, it's funny, I've been in Brooklyn now seven years, so this also feels like home. 
That's really cool. And uh, the the blur ringtone actually brings me to like another one of the many things that you do is is your like Britpop DJ night. Is that like tell me a little bit about that too? So now now it makes sense that you'd be such a big Britpop fan, knowing that you're you know from that side of the pond. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Uh, I love this question. I I don't think I've been able to talk about this in an interview before. I don't think I've been asked. But um, yeah. I mean, that's you know, that's one of those things where just you know, I mean, I guess like all the work I do, it's like I'm a professional music fan. And, and like the stuff that I did anyway, now people ask me to do and offer to pay me to do it. And that's such a blessing. But like, I mean, this is shit I've been doing since I was a kid anyway. So like growing up in Wales, I had this friend, James Ranson, who lived in Manchester, but his family was wealthy. So they had a summer house in the cottage. They had a summer cottage in the, in my village in Wales. And, um, and this is sort of a thing in Wales, parenthetically, like, you know, sort of one of those situations where like, there's not a lot of money in Wales, but the a lot of English people have big money and buy the houses and drive up the costs. And, you know, anyway, James is, James was bringing these amazing mixtapes of the stuff that was happening at the Hacienda in Ma- in Manchester and the Manchester scene. So he, he hit me to like uh, stone roses, happy Mondays, um, all that stuff I was listening to when I was like nine years old. And I just thought that's what music was. And then, I, and then in America, I was listening to, um, I love Casey Kasem and top 40 and, and Depeche mode and stuff like that that crossed over and, R.I.P. Q101 in Chicago that used to play all the alternative hits. So, so the Britpop party, it was first called This Is England, and then uh, it became, and then I changed it to This Is Britain. And what, what it is is a, a British music-themed party where we only play British music, but you can play any genre. So anything from, you know, skiffle to fucking club, you know? And... No, 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 keep going. And, uh, and, and... And I always have people in my favorite bands DJ. So, like, um, you know, I've had Andy from the Smiths DJ. Frankie Cosmos are my house DJs. Like I say, that's really how, that. That was where our friendship came from. We DJed a ton together, and um, we've had members of Savages, Battles, LCD Sound System, Vagabond. I mean, just, you know, anyone who's got good taste, I bring in and uh, and we've thrown some great parties, man. It's been a lot of fun. And I, I now I've branched it out. You know, it's called This Is Britain. But since Brexit, I, I don't like the name so much anymore. Yeah, that, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really started to sound, uh, uh, you know, I don't want anyone to mistake my position on this. I am super, super anti-Brexit. And, and I don't want This Is Britain to sound nationalistic whatsoever. So... Well, sometimes, you know, because there's there's a nice group of fans of This Is Britain that come to every night. I'll say This Is Britain Presents, but I more often call it other names now. So, like, one that I've done a lot is Indie Pop Student Disco. Okay, yeah, I think I've seen that one online, yeah. Yeah, but we DJ all around Brooklyn, and it's a night that started in Chicago and, and now lives in Brooklyn. And, and it's one that I've done on Pitchfork Radio a number of times with special guests. My last one, I had uh, Molly from Always on Pitchfork Radio at Coachella. She and I spun a, an indie pop student disco. It was a lot of fun. That's really cool. So actually, yeah, that, that kind of brings me to my next question was uh, Pitchfork Radio. So how did, you, how did you first get involved with Pitchfork? You know, um, was, it, was it through Amy or did you meet Amy later or how did you, know, how did you get involved in, in that? For the, for the listeners, what, 
Randy's talking about Amy is my wife, Amy Phillips, and she is the, the longest running Pitchfork employee. She's the news director and she's been at the company, I think, 14, 15 years now. Well, I met, I met Ryan Schreiber, the founder, back in my early Scotland Yard Gospel Choir days. We met at a WLUW record fair. So this is... That, yeah, that's that's a while ago, right? <laughs> yeah, this is going back, man. And and a funny thing, my, my older sister, Katrin, is a journalist. And uh, she used to ask me, she used to work for WBEZ in Chicago. Now she's with the New York Times. But she would call me and say, Elia, what's happening in the music scene that I should cover? And I said, there's this website called Pitchfork. They're popping off. I really feel like they're like, what they're doing is important. It's super fucking different. And so she ended up interviewing, I think, Ryan and um, I want to say Chris Kasky, maybe, who was then the president. Anyway, so Ryan Schreiber and I knew each other peripherally, but um, I, had, I started doing radio work. I had this amazing thing happen at... Um, I had this amazing thing happen with WXRT where they invited me on as a guest, uh, Scotland Yard Gospel Choir. And the uh, program director, Marty Leonards, pulled me aside after and was like, listen, man, I really like your vibe on the radio. Would you want to host this show sometimes? So I got, I'd done a little college radio, but I got to host on the biggest fucking radio station in Chicago. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I listened to XRT. The whenever I lived in Chicago and I was in a car, I was like, "All right, I want to listen to XRT." You know, so that's great. Yeah, for sure, man. It it was fucking thrilling, man. It was really thrilling, and like you know, and 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 I think I think what he liked about it was I was coming at it, and this is what I think this is why Talkhouse hired me. I think this is why Pitchfork hired me. I was always coming at it like a musician because by the time I worked in radio or podcasting, I had done, I don't know one or two thousand interviews as the leader of a band you know so so i i I like to think that i was coming at it from not the industry perspective but from the artist perspective you know anyway so from wxrt when we moved out I, i got to do some things for them and 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 for some other awesome like podcasts and stuff and and talkhouse brought me on to uh produce their podcast and and i became the host of the podcast and we really had some huge success. Like all of a sudden it became like, I mean, like people cared about it all of a sudden. And, and that was really exciting for us. And like we saw it, we'd get these numbers back that like, you know, thousands and thousands of people are listening. And, and Pitchfork started going into podcasts. And so Pitchfork was like, we love what you're doing with Talkhouse. Would you come on and produce some podcasts for us? And, and I said, yeah, I'd love it. So I think the first stuff I did with them was a series we did with um, – like I remember having Deaf Heaven come over to my home studio and we did a podcast and uh, we did one with uh, a few bands, a few bands. I'm, I'm blanking on who else. But there's a great picture of George from Deaf Heaven on my roof that accompanied the series. I remember that. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what was I going to say? So so to, uh, so for a lot of our listeners are probably familiar with Pitchfork, I would assume, but uh, they might not be familiar with the Talk House. So if you're if you don't listen to the Talk House, I'm going to give a glowing review right here. But it's one of the, my favorite music podcasts right now because it basically it's a conversation between two musicians. So you 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 
I, I'm assuming you pick a couple different musicians and just have them have a conversation together, which sounds like a genius idea for a podcast from a host perspective, because my least favorite part of hosting the podcast is actually being on it. You know, I just I'd rather just have the, the people talk, you know, so it's a cool idea to to, you know, like put these two different musicians together and see their different personalities. You know, and the, I actually got to see one live a couple years ago. Um, where it was Wyclef John and Will Butler from Arcade Fire. And that was an incredible conversation. And I didn't realize like how much, you know, somebody like Wyclef and Will Butler have in common. But like, I guess, you know, most musicians come from a kind of similar perspective in a way. So to hear them talk was, was fantastic. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, I have to say two things you made me think of. Okay. One is, I just want to say, I didn't come up with the concept. That was that was the publishers and 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 um, and it's ingenious. And the second thing is, you sort of just hit on um, you sort of just took us accidentally took us to this place that really shows exactly why uh, sort of what I helped bring to the talk house in the beginning. I knew Will Butler because I toured with Arcade Fire, Scotland Yard Gospel Choir toured with them on the funeral tour. So like. So when we were talking about who should we bring on to talk to Wycliffe, you know, the score was turning 20. We had this meeting going around and, and uh, you know, somebody says, yeah, I don't remember if it was me or if it was then uh, Brenda Ehrlich, who's now a title. But, you know, somebody's like, yeah, what about Will? He's like a big hip hop fan, you know, and, uh, and it's just like, yeah, I'll just drop Will a note. You know what I mean? So it's like my worlds all have these funny in, in the sort of Venn diagram. Again, it just comes to being like a longtime music obsessive who's been able to do dope shit with artists that I love in that way. Yeah, that that was really cool too, because you could tell like Will was definitely a fan. You know, I I don't know if I don't know if the feeling was mutual. I feel like Wyclef might not have known who Arcade Fire was at the time. Maybe he does now, um, but it it almost felt like Will was you know leading and kind of hosting that discussion, and Wyclef was you know the the subject. But um, he has so many great stories and is such an interesting guy. But um, you know, on that like I I get so jealous sometimes of just your Instagram account, seeing your pictures with like you know, some, I, I'm blanking on some names right now, but just seeing you with some of the awesome people that you have on the show. So, um, what are some of the, what are some of your favorite conversations, I guess, that you've had on the talk house? On the talk house front, I would say, um, there have been a few, one, one that was really amazing. We've actually done two with them. Now we did a, we did a second part cause the first one was so good was Questlove with Carrie Brownstein. And uh, those are just two of the most, I mean, to me, uh, and here's the thing, man, they're not my favorite artists. I don't love their bands. Like, I don't obsess about their bands, but I think their bands are fucking fantastic. Don't get me wrong. But I love their minds. And I love the way they think about music and they think about film and they think about art. So for us to have a chance to have those two in conversation, it's so illuminating. Like, uh, I think what, you know, one thing that our, um, so Mark, who I told you about, who, Mark Yoshizumi again, who played in Scotland Yard Gospel Choir, engineered and produced all our records. I twisted his arm till he moved out to New York a few years after I did. I said, look, man, I really need you at Talk House and Pitchfork Radio. I need an engineer of your caliber and a producer who knows what we're doing here. So I finally got him out here. And one thing he said was, I feel like with Talk House, we're creating a historical document of some of the greatest artists of our time. And that felt really good to hear, you know, um, and, 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 and again, I don't want it to sound like we're up our own ass or anything. We fully realize our flaws but, um, and our limitations. But, but when you get stuff like that, it does feel special, you know? It just feels special, man. And, like, you know, for me, like, um, on the other side, 
like we recorded one recently with um, Julie Byrne and Vagabond. Those are two of my favorite uh, records from last year. They, those two released two of my favorite records from last year. And, and to get to hear the, the wisdom that they learned from each other on tour together, that was awesome. And I feel like, so that works on a few levels for me. Like A, as a fan of theirs, I get to hang out with them and work. I was actually already friends with both of them anyway, but, but we get an opportunity to hang out and work together, you know? Yeah. Two, did I just go from A to two? We'll, we'll get yeah. numerical yeah. and, uh, and alpha. L, yeah, yeah. Um, B, I get to hear um, two of my favorite artists. As an artist, I get to hear two of them drop knowledge about their own experiential sort of like wisdom, right? You know? And then, and then C, three, P.O., I get to have this... I get to help be a part of creating this document that, that other people can check out, you know, and that uh, maybe helps other artists or, uh, or um, other people to other sort, people of like sort of like find uh, a deeper meaning in what they're doing, whether that's music or not, because, you know, the stuff they talk about doesn't just apply to music either. Well, I think that's in general, you know, that's one of my favorite things about podcasting. And one of the reasons why, like, I started my my own podcast, you know, and we started Cigar City Radio is because, um, you know, oral history is such like a amazing way to learn about, you know, people's beliefs and people's thinking. And, um, you know, there's a lot of artists that sometimes don't really get to have those conversations. And, you know, at least not on the record, you know, you don't, you're not hearing these perspectives. And sometimes it's, it's, yeah, it's like really cool to you know, document this one conversation and this one moment in history between, you know, yourself and an artist or in, or in talk house's case between two artists, you know, so that's a really cool way to do it. You know? It's so awesome that like, you know, now that we live in the digital age, we, there's, there's such a trove, a treasure trove of this stuff, man. But like, it used to be so fucking hard to find stuff. Like I used to buy, um, you know, starting when I was maybe 13 or 14, I'd go to reckless records and I would buy a lot of picture discs. You remember picture discs where like, where it would be like, you know, like, like, for example, I have like a whole collection of Smith's picture disc where it's like interviews with Morrissey and Johnny Marr. And that for me was how you culled the knowledge if, if you weren't going to read it. But to actually hear their voice, you either had to like, you know, if you got lucky, they were on TV. But more often you had to buy like VHS and then DVD later on um, or, or these picture discs, you know, and, and so I still have a great collection of that stuff. Yeah, that's a that's amazing, and yeah, it's it's great that now we live in a in an era where you know you can very if you're a fan of an artist, you can very easily find all these you know these conversations with them, you know. So um, we're we're pretty much getting to, getting to the end of the time for right now, but I I just wanted to ask a little bit more about uh, loop it back into Fashion Brigade. So um, tell so the record will be out by the time people listen to this, or the the single will be out by the time people listen to this. Um, tell us just a little bit more about the record and kind of the release plan for it. Are there going to be any shows? I'd, I'd love to see a, a show with some of these artists all together. I don't know what your plans are for it. Carnegie Hall with every art. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but, I was about to say that would be amazing. <laughs> no, but uh, all jokes aside, I, I definitely am going to play uh, Brooklyn and Chicago release shows. That's where, you know, um, that's where I know people actually want to see this stuff. And and, I, and as far as touring, I, I can't tour like I used to with Scotland Yard. Um, my life has changed so much. But um, but definitely, like, I'd love to tour with, like, like, if a friend's band wants to take me out or something, you know, just to open up, I'd love to do that. I'd love to do some, you know, some, like, house shows, stuff like Silent Barn and, you know, like we had in New York and stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, by the time this podcast drops, 
Um, so future listeners, you're, you're listening to us back in, uh, just before Halloween. Um, yeah, the first single will be out. That's called Fuck the Heartache, and the B-side is Kissy Face. Um, Fuck the Heartache, the collaborators are Kid Hawk, sings the lead. The strings are Scotland Yard Gospel Choir and Chicago Symphony Orchestra. And uh, the drums are uh, Dirty Projectors. And and for the B-side, the collaborations are Nimai from Prince Rama is the lead vocalist. Um, Scotland Yard again, Ethan Adelsman plays synths. Um, Devachka, yeah. Anyway, uh, so those, and then the two remixes are Thor Harris, who is in Swans, um, did a remix like a Vibes remix, and then Tyler Pope from LCD Sound System did the dance remix. And he told me, I was thinking about this after we were DJing together. I want to go for like a Manchester sound for the remix. So he did that. And then we're gonna drop another single. I think we'll drop maybe. There's a song called Middle C that features Greta from Frankie Cosmos. I love that one. And I really love, there's one, um, there's one called First Sunny Day of the Year that I recorded a lot of it in Wales. And I needed um, a singer with an accent for that because it uses British slang. So I brought in Joe from The Shivers. And it turns out I'd never heard of Phosphorus, honestly. She was like, yeah, I'll play in this other band. I can't do her accent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, she was like, I play in this other band, Phosphorescent. I became a fan of that band. They're fucking awesome. But Joe's the keys and, and female singer in Phosphorescent. So I think we'll drop that single next. And then the record's going to come out in, uh, in, in early spring on Gentle Reminder Records. And it's 11 songs. It's only 28 minutes. I just got the mastered version back. And I think on the vinyl, we're going to release um, some extra bonus tracks. I don't want to say what they are yet, but some extra... Um, stuff that won't be available otherwise that sounds really cool so final sort of question here is just kind of generally you know that's one thing that that i hear a lot from you know bands that i manage and other you know just other people in the industry is obviously everybody wants to get covered by pitchfork so you've been around there for a while what is your advice to artists that are trying to you know reach that sort of level of press or reach pitchfork editors like how you know how you know, how do you get into it? You know, like what is the what is what is your recommended steps to get pitchfork level notice? You know, <laughs> can I just say the fucking soundtrack here is awesome? By the way, shouts to whoever is DJing. Uh, I love this song. Um, you know what I found, and uh, and I don't really write for Pitchfork much. I've written a little bit, um, but but what I found is that. You know, like everyone who works there is such an amazing fan of music that like, you know, obviously there's there's big publicists and stuff. But I think um, there's so many contributing writers that I find that like finding the contributing writer who covers the genre that, that the artist works in. That's I think that's probably the best way to get on. I mean, one thing about Pitchfork is they don't do favors. They don't cave for anyone. If they don't like it, they're not going to fucking write about it unless they're writing that they don't like it, you know? And um, and so, you know, like if you're an indie pop person, why would you go to the metal writer? You know, but that's what a lot of people do because they don't do their research. And uh, and that makes me nuts. Again, coming from the band world, like we studied what every writer was doing. Not not a pitch, you know, pitchfork, sure, but everywhere. you got to know who's covering your kind of music, you know? And um, so that's my advice is just, 
like, you know, if you sound sort of like Deaf Heaven, find out who's covering Deaf Heaven, you know, and maybe that's Evan Minsker, maybe that's someone else there, but um, hit them up personally. You know, th- their emails are floating around. It's not hard to get a hold of these people. And a lot of people will put on Twitter, like, you know, DM me with ideas. And uh, yeah, I-, I would say that's the best, man, is really just try to, you know, really put in the, the sweat hours and-, and-, and check it out. And definitely, uh, and also I'll say this about, you know, Pitchfork, don't think that one review is going to make your career. You know, it's, it's just not, that's not the way it works in, in the media industry. I have a lot of people who hit me up and try to get me to play stuff on Pitchfork radio, but if I don't like it, I'm not going to fucking play it. I'm just not going to play it. And, uh, I could be your favorite girl. <laughs> so, you know. I guess my advice is do the research, do the research as, uh, as one of my, um, uh, as a radio host that I, that I look up to as far as his hosting skills, specifically Charlemagne, the God says, put the weed in the bag. (laughs) That's, that's a really good way to put it. Um, and yeah, I, I definitely have to echo, you know, what you're saying because, um, you know, one thing that I've learned is, you know, Pitchfork obviously gets a, you know, they have their reputation and people think like sometimes the writers are, you know, kind of pretentious or something like that. But the more I've gotten to actually meet people on the team and meet people that work there, I'm like, yeah, these are just music nerds and fans just like I am, you know, and I think that's I think people forget that, you know, that it's that it's just normal people writing about this stuff, you know. I love that that's been your experience, man. That's that's exactly what it's like for me. I mean, and that that's in every era of my life, man. As a as an artist myself, you know, as a, as a host, as a producing other bands, like people are just people. Whether they're like really powerful heads of record labels, you can still sit down and have a fucking awesome conversation about sh- about like some obscure band, like the hit, like, you know, like the hidden cameras. I can nerd out on the hidden cameras for an hour and a half if you'll let me you know and, and and that's how everyone at pitchfork is that's how you know everyone who real almost everyone who makes a living in the indie music world they do it because they fucking love music this is not the area where like you get like venture capitalist money you know maybe at the major labels you can still live like that but but none of us do it because of that it's because we're fucking huge fucking fans and all we want to do is talk and write and play music and so you know, we're lucky enough to, to, to have careers in it that, that allow us to live our lives. But uh, but anyone from Pitchfork, all they are is that nerd that you hung out with in college in your dorm room smoking weed and listening to records with. They just got a job and kept doing that professionally. <laughs> that, that's pretty much it. Yeah, that sounds exactly like it. So very cool. Uh, I'm really glad we got to sit down and have this conversation. Uh, I know you can talk for at length about many different things so um we definitely will have to make this uh you know a more regular thing next time i come to new york we'll have to pick something else and maybe we could talk about you know it's one of your favorite records for an hour or something and that'd be really cool um before we go any final thoughts for our listeners for the cigar city radio fam yeah man i'll say anyone who's coming to cigar city radio as a new listener check out the john hammond episode that one's fucking awesome that was one of my favorites when it came out, and um, and it's definitely worth worth you revisiting. Like, and I mean, I'll just say this about Cigar City Radio because I feel like you and I talked podcasts a little bit when you guys were kicking this off. Randy it was like, you know, what you guys do is 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 so much of what I do with my work um, on the podcast and radio front, which is like 
spend a lot of time trying to break new bands that we care about that maybe our listeners don't know about yet, but you know your listeners are going to care about, and then bring in some legends too to share some of those stories that help shape all of our own musicality and shit, you know? So, I mean, yeah, that's, I guess my final words are, you know, check out some fucking back issues, man, the, the digital back issues that there's, there's some knowledge in there. I totally appreciate that. And yeah, the John Hammond interview is one of my like absolute favorite episodes to do. It's one of those things where like I don't usually take pictures with our guests, you know, but me and Jason were both like as soon as that interview ended, like, oh, can we take a picture with you, John? Like, Because he's just such a nice guy. And um, shout out to uh, our intern at the time um, who uh, she actually was the one that like kept up with John Hammond's people and like she picked that she picked him up from his hotel and brought him to the interview and everything and like made that one happen so um you know dude you just made me think you know what we should do next time Randy is we should uh next next episode because this one we talked about sort of like fashion brigade and my work um like the sort of like outward facing stuff of my work with talk as and visual. We should do one where we talk about what it takes to make, to get a podcast together because like you're talking about all the nitty gritty. I have people ask me that so often. And I feel like you guys, you know, it seems like a lot of your fans are like podcast nerds and, and our, our, our podcast fans are podcast nerds. We should fucking break down the nuts and bolts, dude. The like, the like nitty gritty. Yeah, I think people would probably appreciate that. And it's probably be pretty eye opening to people because, you know, every boring it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that first. But also, like, everybody's always telling me that they want to start their own podcast and they're going to do this. And then I tell them, like, it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's really rewarding, but it's a lot of work, especially if you're doing a weekly, you know, because, you know, every week you have to start and like, Oh, here we go again. Another week, another thing. I was just talking to, you know, it's kind of like being on tour, you know, you, you finish a date and then, and then you wake up the next morning. You're like, all right, time to load the shit again and do this and get back on stage and do it all over again. You know? So that's exactly what I tell people, man, you are on tour, you know, for every one hour that you're on air, there's 45 hours that you spent getting ready for that, you know, doing the research, picking them up at the hotel, everything, man. I love it. Maybe that's the, we'll, we'll put a pin in that one. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We'll talk about that next time. So uh, I'll let you go. I, I have to hit up some other places in Williamsburg. I know you've got a busy schedule and I just gave you some records. So I know you're going to go home and listen to those right now. So uh, sh- thank you, Elliot, for, for being on the show. Um, check out the Talk House podcast. Check out Pitchfork Radio if you aren't already. And check out Fashion Brigade, which uh, the single will be out by the time you listen to this. So head to Spotify, head to Apple Music, pull it up. Big love, man. Thanks for having me. Sure.